What's up, Warriors? Welcome to another wonderful Warrior Wednesday. I have to excuse the alliteration. I just couldn't help myself on that. I'm going to just quote my friend Roger Huggins because he says, I haven't seen you in a month of Sundays. And that is about true for us here. I have not seen you all in about a month of Sundays, but I am so thankful you're here tonight. Ray Coates, I already see you out there, brother. So thankful to have dinner with Ray Coates uh, not too long ago. If you are a warrior here in Texas uh, and you know that I'm in your area, please hit me up because I do like to eat if you couldn't tell that. Uh, I do want to also make sure we do some housekeeping real quick. And early on here, we are about training those church protectors, you guys and gals, who agreed to protect your church, your place of worship, your house of worship. You're standing on the wall working and uh, in, in, uh, having a weapon in the other hand while you're working, and I thank you for that. I thank you for joining us here at Warrior Wednesday. We do have a guiding biblical principle here at Warrior, uh, Protector's Toolkit, and that is Proverbs 18:15. It says this, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge in the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Now, if you happen to be talking to a sheriff's deputy, they're a little bit slower, so I like to use the easy to read version of the Bible, and it says it this way, Wise people want to learn more, so they listen closely to gain knowledge. And I'm just joking. Sheriff's deputies don't know how to read anyhow. So uh, I am a full-time active law enforcement officer. That's just a joke, folks. I am a first responder, and I love those guys and gals, especially when they're backing me up out there. I call you all warriors because it's very important that you understand this. In Exodus, really early on in the Bible, it tells us everything we need to know. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name, and you are created in his image. And what you're doing for your churches means that you are a warrior. I see a lot of people joining us Carson Cummings I love it Kim I see you from Houston Chicago land Scott Hewins thanks for being here tonight Oscar I see uh, Elgin Texas again Barbara James all of you thank you so much and you know somebody in your sphere of influence that will be blessed by this will be best blessed by a church training just like this so right now down there at the bottom hit the share button share it with somebody that will be blessed by this share it with your pastor uh, share it with uh, other congregants in your church share it with the other people on your team they would definitely be blessed by the stuff we're going to talk to you about tonight. Now, here at Protectors Toolkit, uh, we would be remiss. We are in the, here in the, United, in the great United States of Texas, and we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the new constitutional carry that came along while I was on vacation. Uh, the new constitutional carry that we have here in the United States of Texas, we want to address tonight and how that could potentially affect some churches out there. And then we'll get into the 30, uh, 30-06, 30 30-07 as well uh, and give you my thoughts on, on having guns in church. I think if you've been with us for a while here at Protectors Toolkit, you, you understand that I believe that church safety and security is a holistic process that covers everything from the parking lot all the way up to the stage or the pulpit. And we have a plan that addresses everything from the Band-Aids to uh, the guns if we need to. And so we'll talk a little bit about that tonight, but I don't, I don't wanna get delayed here too much. I wanna introduce my friend, uh, one of my assistant instructors actually that does our two-day firearms class. If you wanna qualify quality uh, set of instruction, two-day firearms class that qualifies your team, make sure you get with us here at Protectors Toolkit. Kit, but I'm gonna introduce Stephen Bennett. Now, Stephen's a retired Marine. Uh, please don't tell him all the jokes I've made about Marines. Don't drop those in the comments at all. Uh, he's probably heard a couple of them on the range anyhow, so you're not telling him anything that he doesn't already know about me. Uh, as, a, as a prior Army guy, I just feel like I owe it to him to give him that. Also an NRA firearms instructor, Texas licensed to carry instructor, Law Shield facility member and owner of National Personal Defense Academy. My friend, Stephen Bennett. Stephen, thanks so, uh, so much for having. I know you've been 
uh, being here on the show tonight. I know you've been traveling a little bit. You just got back recently. Uh, but give the folks a little bit of a nutshell or an elevator pitch or, uh, the, you know, the Cliff Notes version of Stephen Bennett. Well, as you indicated, I am a retired Marine. And after I retired from the Marine Corps, I was an instructor uh, everywhere from uh, middle school up through college for 23 and a half years. Did some contract work for the government. Uh, I, um, I was with their uh, digital combat systems um, contract for quite a number of years. And then I went off to pursue uh, other things. Uh, yeah. For a living instead of working for a living. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, uh, your professional world traveler is, is how I like to think of you. Um, you know, like I said earlier, we would be remiss here at Texas, in te especially because we're a Texas-based business, if we didn't talk about the new constitutional carry that was adopted here in Texas as of September 1st, uh, the nuances of that uh, and what that could potentially mean for churches and for those folks who are considering doing it, really, I think they're going to get some good information here tonight. Uh, and I will just make a call to action for you all right now. Uh, hit the name in town or the church you're representing in the comments section. And when you have questions, feel free to get in there. There's no foolish questions and, and we will get your questions answered. That's what we're here about uh, at Protectors Toolkit is making sure you have all the tools necessary to do the best job you can at your house of worship. So, Stephen, in a nutshell, what is the what's the new constitutional carry? What does it say? Well, I'd like to start by by defining terms. Number one. What we have here in Texas now is the Firearms Carry Act of 2021. Constitutional carry is a uh, just a generic term that a lot of a lot of folks use because if we were in fact the constitutional carry, everybody could carry a gun regardless of their status, regardless of who they are, what they've done, et cetera, et cetera. So what we have is a, uh, the Firearms Carry Act of 2021 here in Texas. And essentially what it does is it removes the mandate for individuals who are not otherwise prohibited I have a list I can put up here of prohibited people uh, right there. Felons, fugitives, you, uh, your, your viewers can read all of those. <clears throat> but if you don't fall into one of these categories, then you are not required to apply for, be trained in, and uh, obtain a license to carry in the state of Texas. Um, this Firearms Carry Act also applies to non-residents. And it should be noted that uh, about 21 states now, including Texas, have what we generically call a constitutional carry. However, not all of the states allow constitutional carry if you're not one of their residents. So there's a lot of pitfalls, which we can go into here in a, in a little bit, uh, about this, this misnomer of constitutional carry, not only in Texas, but in the other states where people uh, assume that a constitutional carry will cover them if they travel to other state. So, um, so as it stands now, if you don't fall in one of those prohibited categories, otherwise prohibited persons, uh, you make open or concealed carry a firearm in public in the state of Texas, with the exception of those places where, where they're going to be prohibited, which we can get into in a few minutes. Right, right. And so they they are they put this into the law right around the uh, the same area as they put the 30 odd six and 30 odd seven or 30.07, 30.06 in the Texas law. Um, and there's going to be different signage and stuff like that. Is that right? That, that's correct. Um, for those of uh, your viewers who already have a Texas license to carry, there, there should be, or I'm sure they are familiar with the, the 30.06, 30 odd six. <clears throat> excuse me, 30-odd-7, 
you know, the 51% and uh, other forms of uh, effective notice that may be given to prohibit uh, either a concealed carry, um, a open carry, or both. So there are okay. some new that we, we do have a new uh, section called the 30.5, 30.05. And I've got a picture of the sign of that we can put up later. So people are going to have to get familiar with, uh, with a new signage. And some of the signage that was um, posted before on, on a lot of uh, retail outlets, 7-Elevens, grocery stores, gas stations, are no longer effective at all. They're, they're, uh, they're defunct now. They don't mean anything. Right. So what is the, uh, what's the, thir what's 30.06? What's 30-06? Uh, what does that cover? I've got a uh, screen up. 30-06 uh, is um, prohibits concealed carry on the premises of that private business. So um, technically speaking, a business who po posts a 30-06 means they do not want you to conceal carry on their property. However, if they did not post a 30-07, you were allowed to open carry. <clears throat> when I give, give my classes, I, I generally counsel my students that if somebody has a 30-06 sign, it's a good likelihood they don't want you to uh, open carry either. And it's just a lack of the business, uh, uh, the business person or the owner's knowledge about the law. Now, unlike a 30-07, a 30-07 is open carry prohibited. So you uh, may conceal carry if there's only a 30-07 sign, but you may not uh, open carry. And I think that most of the, the business owners who have done the research, who didn't mind uh, folks coming into their businesses, retail outlets, what have you, they didn't mind them having uh, a concealed firearm. They just didn't want it publicly displayed. So I right. uh, always err on the side of caution, though, and we can talk a little bit about about that. But with regards to the constitutional carry, there's a, um, let me get it up on my screen. Uh, if we put that screen up, <clears throat> uh, the one on the left, it may be very difficult to see. It says, notice unlicensed carrying a firearm is prohibited and it's pursuant to section 30-5 penal code, criminal trespass, it's criminal trespass law. Um, Person may not enter this property with a firearm. This pertains specifically to the uh, Firearms Carry Act of 2021, also known as constitutional carry. Should be noted, these other signs now that were not legitimate for any other purposes other than property owners posting them to, to notify you of an intent. The gun buster sign, the no guns, notice, no guns. Those all pertain only, if they're posted only to the constitutional carry folks, these do not prohibit a license to carry holder from entering that premises unless they're otherwise given effective notice, either with a 30-06, 30-07, or personally asked not to bring the firearms into that business. Um, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, so that, I mean, Wow, what what a lot of convoluted nonsense! Uh, you know, I love the legislature trying to do a good thing, but I think we got a lot of um, there's going to be a lot of confusion. So I'm glad I'm glad we're 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 clearing some of that up tonight. I, I think it 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 is kind of a, a misunderstanding that well, I can just carry anywhere now, right? That's what most people think when they hear about constitutional carry. As you said earlier, if we are really going by the Second Amendment, then 
anybody can carry and there's no limitations on that restrictions on that and I, I think that's what we're gonna we may see that especially in the law enforcement side i know we're gonna see some of that here in texas where i'm gonna come across a person who's in an area where they shouldn't be with a firearm and they have a misunderstanding of this so i, I think it's a Number one, it's good that we're talking about this here at Protectors Toolkit. So please, if you're out there, make sure you share this video with your folks uh, in your areas of Texas, wherever you happen to be operating, get more information about this. So we're not just having people show up to places where they shouldn't be with a firearm. Let me let me note something there, um, and we can get into this when we talk about you know what are, what are some of the benefits of having an LTC. There are a number of issues and a number of areas where if an individual has a license to carry even under this constitutional area, where they get what we commonly refer to as an oopsie or my bad, which means they cannot be arrested if they are instructed to leave and they do so immediately. And that does not hold true with, with a, a constitutional carry. If they enter or are found in a place where a uh, carry is prohibited, they're done. They don't right. get it. It's um, uh, one of the, one of the <laughs> the issues that, that I had, um, and let me be quite frank with you, I was not a big supporter of this, this legislation um, for a number of reasons. I, I, number one, up until it passed, it went into effect on 1st September, my right to own, carry, uh, have a firearm had not been restricted uh, as far as I was concerned because I took the class, got my LTC, became an instructor, and I carry my firearm virtually everywhere. So I didn't feel restricted. Um, uh, one of one of the issues, and I know you probably want to discuss that, is you know carrying in churches, but it, it goes without saying. Carrying in a lot of places, uh, it's it's a it's a training issue for me. And I spent 21 years of my life in the United States Marine Corps. I've done a lot of offensive uh, firearms training, uh, which is quite different than carrying a uh, uh, using an LTC for personal protection, protection yourself, your loved ones, and uh, perhaps in some rare instances. Uh, third party, but it's all about training, 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 training. We'll go into that a little, little bit more uh, if you'd like. So um, that, that kind of covers what are some of the drawbacks and pitfalls of constitutional carry. <clears throat> it was very, very, uh, as you said, convoluted and confusing. And mm -hmm. uh, the hundreds and hundreds of uh, students I've instructed over the years, uh, going through the penal code, going through the administrative code, uh, all of the legal codes that uh, constituted a license to carry uh, instructional curriculum is very difficult uh, information for a lot of folks. And now you, you and that's after they've had the class uh, with, a, with a qualified and a certified and, and an experienced instructor. Now, you know, some, somebody goes in and buys a handgun, goes, straps it on, goes in public, they haven't been drained unless they spent hundreds of hours you know, individually sitting down, going through the statutes, uh, connecting all the dots where, you know, where the medical code uh, overrides what the administrative code is and the administrative codes override what the penal code is. Uh, mm -hmm. There's lots of pitfalls there where, you know, you know, you, someone can find themselves in, in you know, severe uh, felony uh, territory or class, anywhere from class A, class C to, to a felony territory just by not being informed. It's a critical, they go to a class. It's critical, they, they get uh, training. Uh, ask an instructor, ask um, the questions they need to ask and, and be given the answers to, 
to, to make it less likely that they're going to violate one of these codes, one of these uh, laws, or one of these penal codes. Yeah, and we're seeing we're we're seeing so much so much so much of the politics are entering into these conversations as well, and we're seeing uh, more and more attorneys showing up in major metropolitan cities like uh, Austin is just an example uh, where they want to prosecute people who are otherwise legally having and possessing a firearm and using it to protect themselves. So it, it is like you said. I, I like that you brought that out. The training is so vitally important to what we do, especially as protectors. Uh, if we're going to operate within the church as a defender of others, then that's that's going to be one of the critical components of it. Knowing uh, are we carrying legally and uh, what are we going to do about the other people that maybe want to carry in our church? And I, so I just want to back up a little bit that 30, uh, 30.05 or 30.5 sign. If a church wants to restrict the constitutional carry as, as we're using right here for the term for the 2021 bill, if a church wants to restrict that, they need to have the 30.05 signage. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, very good. And if they only post that sign, that means they're still allowing concealed or open. Right, right. Okay. And so those pastors and deacons and the boards understand uh, a lot of these churches and businesses in general. Well, you know, it wasn't until 2019 that uh, churches, house of worship, uh, were removed from the prohibited list. Right. And, and in 2019, they, they fell into the category of other private businesses, retail outlets, what have you, uh, which required, a, if they did not want individuals, you know, and I'm sure most of your uh, church uh, security teams and pastors and the boards probably know that or they should know that. Uh, if they wanted to restrict carry, then they had to post. If there was no posting and no otherwise effective notice, um, anybody could either open or conceal carry in their church. So it's one of the things that, you know, that they have to sit down, have their board meeting and discuss what exactly are we willing or do we want to, um, to happen with regards to firearms in this church. Now, a lot of businesses, a lot of organizations and a lot of churches have become comfortable with the LTC holders, knowing that they had gone to, that they had a background check. And then they and they cleared that, so they're not they're not criminals, hooligans, and back child supporting all the horrible things that happen. Right. <clears throat> they went to a class at a minimum four to six hours, and that they performed some sort of firearms proficiency examination with a certified instructor. So they become comfortable with the fact that when they knew somebody had an LTC, uh, and they invited them to be on the church security team, that they had a a baseline of instruction, okay, yep. uh, from which they could build a security team and build a, a uh, more qualified individual to, to serve on a security team. Um, you might be going towards, uh, uh, <clears throat> and the LTC, for those who didn't have it, uh, we did not have ever in the state of Texas a qualification uh, with a firearm. What we had was, a, and it's called specifically, firearms proficiency demonstration. <clears throat> the range time, where he fired the 50 rounds at 3, 7, and 15 meters, was strictly for the instructor to evaluate whether or not that individual could safely and effectively handle a firearm in public around other people. It had nothing to do truly with marksmanship because you only had to get 170 points out of 250 to pass. Right. And most people did that at the seven-yard line. Uh, 
it was just, it was my, as an instructor, I would view the, the folks on the firing line, making a determination on how they handled their firearms, you know, how they moved with their firearms, what they did with their firearms when they weren't actively shooting, and I'd make an evaluation. I had failed people uh, on the safety portion because they failed the firearms proficiency. I did not want these people anywhere around me or any other human being pointing a firearm that they had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> so that is the baseline, and that's just to get through the class. But as you well know, and I know you know, your, your folks who who seek your advice and your guidance and your counsel, that is barely even scratches the surface. Training, and kinetic training, real-time training, scenario-based training, multiple days, multiple times, and not just once. You can't go out and shoot from a defensive position or move and communicate with fellow team members. Uh, a one-time thing is, is their perishable skills. and uh, They have to be done on a regular basis. Ideally, monthly, better uh, than nothing, quarterly. And if you can't afford uh, or they don't have the time or the, the resources, twice a year. I would I would say at least twice a year. I, You know me, I'm on an arrangement as much as I can get out there. And, yeah. and uh, particularly uh, when I change firearms, I got a couple of new firearms here recently, going to the range tomorrow. Uh, because I, I uh, although I'm proficient with many firearms, I'm not proficient with these particular firearms that I just bought. Sure. So I have to go through the same orientation that I did with with my other firearms to know how I'm going to act. You know how these draw differently, how they fire differently, what their uh, capabilities are in ex ex uh, well emergency circumstances. Because I do a lot of scenario based shooting, so. Um, I, I'm just telling you, it's, it's training. I, I just I can't stress that enough. And get it yeah. uh, where you can get it. Get it from qualified personnel. I, I read some some really good data the other day about uh, not only get training, but get it from somebody who's qualified. You know, you know Billy Bob. You know, <clears throat> I know a lot of folks here in Texas and where I grew up. You know, Grandpa, Grandpa, and Dad, and you know Uncle Joe. They all took us out. You know, on the ranch or on the farm or out in the woods. And we shot 10 cannons. That is not defensive firearms training. No. That's blinking. That's, you know, you know, point it in the right direction, bust a bottle, hit a can. Uh, you know, a lot of people, well, you know, I've been deer hunting since I was, you know, nine years old. Yeah, but did the deer have a gun? <laughs> was, he, was, he, was he pointed back at you? Uh, yeah, you know, these are, these are the training scenarios that people, regardless of running a church security team or not, more specifically in front of church or any kind of security team where they may have to engage a threat in a public place where there's other people. You just, yep. just don't invite somebody with an LTC or somebody who's been blinking and shooting deer since they were nine years old, come in and say, that's my church protection. Because, you know, we know Jimmy John, you know, he's been, he's been shooting some deer a little, little tight. No, you need people who are specifically trained, qualified instructors, legitimate training, and uh, the ability, uh, you know, to be decisive and discern, uh, learn, you know, de-escalation techniques, learn all the stuff that, that can be done prior to pulling the trigger, you know. Yep. And uh, it's, it's so very critical. And I, if, if they were to come to one of my classes, they, they would get that. <laughs> the last thing I ever want to do is pull the trigger on somebody. 
And if that right. means I, I have to scream and holler like a little girl in a hissy fit to detract them while I can get away from that engagement, it's what I'm going to do, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I know I kind of rambled on there, but. No, all, all good salient points. Um, let's um, let's get into paying some bills. Let's watch, watch a little bit of promo video about Protectors Toolkit for the uninitiated here. Uh, we'll we'll let you see what we're a little uh, all about, and then we'll come and wrap this up at the end. So if you're just joining us tonight, we're talking with Stephen Bennett uh, with uh, MPDA LLC, National Personal Defense Academy LLC, also an assistant instructor for me here at Protectors Toolkit when we do our two-day firearms classes uh, here in Texas. And Stephen is talking about the new, uh, what we call the, the constitutional carry here in Texas, the 2021 uh, new bill that came out here in Texas, essentially allowing what uh, they're calling constitutional carry. Uh, Stephen, we talked about some of the some of the drawbacks or pitfalls earlier about the constitutional carry. What are what what do you think? Should people still get an LTC or is constitutional carry good enough? No, uh, people should uh, seek out and apply for and obtain an LTC. There's a number of reasons why you want to do that. Here's a big one. I, I went over and bought some new firearms the other day, and uh, I walked in, picked up my firearm, laid down my license to carry. Filled out the paperwork, signed it. He followed it up, put it in the file drawer, and that was the end of it. I walked out with my guns and ammo. Now, if I didn't have an LTC in the state of Texas, I had to apply for a NICS background check. And that can take anywhere from 20 minutes to 30 days. You don't know until you submit it. And, and by the way, there's a lot of things going on with the NICS checks that the people don't realize that they've gone to uh, – uh, mnemonic uh, matching on names. So <clears throat> my name is Stephen, and that could match with somebody named Stefan Bennett, who's a, uh, uh, a criminal uh, felon or something, um, or sounds like uh, whatever. So there's a lot of pitfalls in, in the next check. But once you've cleared uh, the background check, attended the class, and been uh, issued an LTC in the state of Texas, 
That's all you need to do to, to buy a firearm with. Uh, you go in there, you present it. They, they take the data down, record the sale, and put it away. So many uh, days later, it gets destroyed. Um, you hear a lot of stories where, where people, you know, well, I walked in, got my nicks right away. You know, rare occasion. I know people wait up to 30 days. And uh, the law stipulates that, uh, you know, after a certain amount of time, then if they don't get a response, then they may go ahead and buy the firearm. But who wants to do that? I mean, I don't. Uh, likewise, I mentioned earlier the oopsies. I travel a lot. And let's say, hypothetically, I forgot that I had my firearm on me. And I walked into the airport, went out, threw my bag on the conveyor belt, go to start doing my, my TSA pre-check. And I set off the alarm and I got a gun. They are required by law to allow me to leave. If I was there with a constitutional yeah. case, as soon as I set that alarm off, I'm going to prison. Period. Yeah. There's no oops. There's no forgiving. There is, you're going to be arrested for, for introducing a firearm into a secure uh, area of an airport. Um, <clears throat> here's a big one, particularly. I know um, maybe a lot of church members um, uh, might be school teachers or work in school districts. Uh, they have the federal gun-free zone, and for people who did not realize this in the past, and I'll try to hurry this along, the federal gun-free zone only applied uh, to states where the state did not cover gun-carrying in school zones by state legislation, which Texas did. So if I just go by the federal law, I can't take a firearm within a 1,000 feet of a school, property, building, facility, etc. With an LTC, I can I can take my firearm onto the property. I can lock it up, leave it in my car. I can actually, if I if I felt the need to, walk up to the premise, which is the threshold of the building, with a firearm, either concealed or open, uh, and not have be violating the law. Of course, that'd be kind of a foolish thing to do. But for employees, employees who are going to be carrying under the constitutional carry are not covered by that legislation. If a school employee who does not have an LTC enters the school grounds, the grounds, parking lot, etc., they're going to be arrested for violating the law. It's, it's a prohibited carry place, and they don't have an exemption uh, by way of an LTC. Plus the reciprocity. And there's like, there's only 14 states in the United States that does not have reciprocity, and we pretty much guess who those are. Uh, yeah. with, with Texas. So, and again, even if I go to North Dakota, for example, I need my Texas LTC. North Dakota is a constitutional carry state, but they only cover constitutional carry for North Dakota residents. Same thing with Maine. So, um, unless you want to do a lot, but I suggest people research the states and the ones they'll transit through when they travel as to what their, their, their carry firearm carry laws are. Uh, but don't assume because, you know, a constitutional carry state that it covers you. Texas yep. does. You do not have to be a Texas resident in order to openly or conceal carry in the authorized areas and places that, that anybody else can carry. You do not have to be a state resident of Texas to do so. so Very good. Uh, yeah, and now some, some of you may be wondering why we're even having this conversation uh, about guns and churches and, and the constitutional carry here in Texas, the new law. Um, if you have any questions, now's the time to get into the comments section and drop those questions in there. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up pretty soon, so I want to make sure we get all your questions answered. And if we close down, obviously this is reviewable on YouTube. Go over to the Protective Toolkit YouTube page and you can 
uh, re-watch this and you can reach and you can share it with people who need to hear this information. The FBI stats show a 35% increase in hate crimes at churches, synagogues, temples, and mosques from 2014 to 2018. That's the most recent year for which data is available from them. Uh, FBSN, Carl Chen, uh, found a 60% increase in non-accidental deaths at uh, these kind of sites from 2014 to 2017. Uh, from the years, uh, from 1999 to 2017, there's been over a 2,000% increase in violence in churches, non-accidental deaths. Um, and over in, in the in the 10 year span between 2007 and 2017, also, also over at Carl Chin's place, you can see there's over a 500% increase in violence in churches. Folks, it's not getting better for us. And there's a lot of different crimes that were affected by uh, it's not just people walking in with guns in church. That's not why we choose to have a firearm as part of our planning and, and advanced preparation. It's not because of the frequency, it's because of the impact. So when we look at a risk assessment, we don't do a risk assessment and say something should, should happen or we should have guns in church because necessarily of the frequency, that could be that could be one factor, but the major factor is what would the impact be? So we measure the impact and what would the impact be if an event took place? If you look at a place like Sutherland Springs where 26 people tragically lost their lives and over 20 injured, that impact is huge for that community. Now, thankfully they, they've used it and they've used God and glorified God through that tragedy. We don't wanna see that anywhere else in the United States. That's the deadliest mass shooting in a place of worship and, and we don't want that anymore. And so, for a lot of congregations, the, the use of lethal force becomes a really theological or philosophical discussion. And when I come out and do risk assessments or when I do a training at your church, that's one of the questions I get asked uh, a lot, especially by the, the church leadership. Should we have guns on our team? And you know what? My answer is always the same. I don't know. Should you? And that is something you're going to have to decide within your church. You can base it on what my risk assessment says about the frequency and the crime data that I'll be able to find in your area. But you're going to have to talk through your church and, and what you are going to allow. Typically, I will I will advise a church that even 30 out six and 30 out seven should be up, because if you look at the church shooting as an example at White Settlement, where there were uh, a, about a third of that congregation pulled out firearms. And if you look at the direction all the firearms were pulled in that congregation, that's a lot of liability for a church to hold on to. What you want in your church, if you're going to have an armed protector team, is you want quality, qualified training, and you want to make it insurable. As Stephen said earlier, that's not Billy Bob's shooting range. That's a company like Protectors Toolkit that has insurance that will also put you on their insurance certificate if you need that for your insurance company. Our, our, our training, the two-day firearms training that we have is insurable. And that's where you want to go with your advanced planning in this. Uh, church leaders, they're struggling with the best way to serve their congregations. And that is going to be something the church is going to have to wrestle with. Now, one of the things you may have, and, and, and quite frankly, you're going to have someone in your church, if you decide to be armed protectors in your church, or you already are armed protectors in your church, you already have some people who object to that. You know them, maybe you already have a vision of them already, that they are just against it for one reason or another. And you know what, folks, that's okay. Because as a church protector, we have biblical mandates that tell us that we are to protect God's house, to protect God's people. And so we're, if that's what the church has determined, to live by those mandates and prepare for those, 
then we're going to be okay in that. But the people who are objecting, we've got to qualify and have a conversation with them. So let's talk to them and figure out what their objection is. There's three main ways an objection or three main types, I would guess, an, an objection comes from. Number one is a pacifist objection. This is the people who believe that uh, Christ was a pacifist, turned the other cheek, and we're supposed to be pacifists all, uh, as well within our church. Um, and I explain all these in detail. If I come out and do a church training for you, uh, you're going to learn about these objections and how to overcome these objections. The martyr is the other one we need to qualify. Is it because we're martyrs and, and I have a belief that God's got us and God's going to protect us so I don't need to have guns in church? That's another conversation we can have and we help this person overcome that. And the last but not least is a thing I think we see a lot of, uh, especially in churches who, uh, you, you know, you know how to carry a gun. You've been carrying a gun forever. We're not going to give you any more training. Just strap that gun on. These are the ones who may compromise the core mission of the church. If the core mission of the church is comfort, refuge, worship, and learning, then we don't want to compromise that by having church special operations or church plot teams where we're dressed in all black, slinging our AR-15s. We want to make sure that we're complementing the core mission of the church. When people are showing up for the, the comfort, the refuge, the worship, and the learning, we want to complement all of that. The greatest thing that we can do as a church protector is serve others. We have to have a servant's heart in everything that we do with this. It's been said over and over again, especially by the 2A crowd or the Second Amendment crowd, which I am a proud uh, supporter at. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And there are a ton of cases that support that. So if you want to be able to de-escalate somebody with a gun that has shown up on your property, then you have to meet that force with an equal or greater amount of force. How do we get greater than already having a gun? We have qualified quality training and know what to do with that. Listen, folks, if you have a license to carry as your base for your church safety and security team, or you have the, the CCW for your state, that's not a standard for a church protector. Get qualified quality training that is insurable because as Stephen alluded to earlier, to qualify or to shoot a paper target to be able to carry your license is not a standard that we use for protection of others. That's a protection of self. The license to carry, the concealed carry, that is a self-protection license. Maybe sometimes in defense of a third person, but it's mainly intended for you to defend yourselves. It's uh, You'll notice if you've ever been through one of those, uh, when you were on the range doing your qualification, uh, the paper target wasn't shooting back at you. It wasn't moving. It wasn't angry. And there weren't 300 people that you love and care about in between you and that target. So please get the qualified quality training you need. We do that here for you at Protectors Toolkit. It's up to your church to decide what level of force you want to have. And you have to be able to meet the force that you want to de-escalate with the force or greater than that force. Stephen, thank you for being on tonight. It's, it's such a blessing always to talk to you, especially about this kind of stuff. You have such a heart for it. If people want more information, especially if you're in the United States of Texas and you want to get a, li a license to carry, how can people get a hold of you? Well, let's see. Uh, I see it's flashed up on the screen there. Stephen at npdallc.org. Shoot me an email. Uh, just want a question or to elaborate or want some more resource material. I have got years of resource material stuff i can shoot off to you pretty rapidly you won't have to go looking for it so and then again questions or you want to schedule some training uh i'd be glad to, i'd be glad to take care of that for you i'm a concierge trainer 
I do not schedule training online. I schedule training with people I have met, people I have talked to, people I have been able to ascertain their mindset, and uh, then we'll agree to the training and the type of scenarios, uh, scenario-based uh, training we're going to run. Awesome. Very good. Stephen, again, thanks for having uh, being on the program tonight. I know you have a lot going on in your life, so I always uh, uh, want to make sure that I honor your time. Uh, folks, if you are new here to Protectors Toolkit, make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications wherever you are. If you're on the YouTubes right now watching us, hit that subscribe button down at the bottom and hit that bell to make sure you get notifications when we get a new video out there for you. Don't make uh, make sure you go find our Word and a Weapon podcast. It's on all your podcast platforms. We'll have a new one coming out pretty soon. Uh, just getting back from vacation, getting everything done. So I'm going to put out a new Word and a Weapon podcast here pretty soon. And we'll launch that and let, you, let everybody know when we put that out there for you. Don't forget to go to our membership site. Goodness gracious. If you want time back in your day to be able to lead the team that you want to lead and be able to do it easily without having to put a lot of legwork in and a lot of uh, scratching of the head and figuring out how we're going to do it, that's what the membership site is all about. We have the done-for-you training for your team so you don't have to figure out what to train on and how to train it. We've got the PowerPoints in there for you. We've got the leadership guides in there for you. We've got the forms in there that you need to run a safe, uh, a successful safety and security ministry at your church. Listen, if you've been to some live in-person training, you are on fire for church safety and security. Why not save some time, some headache, and get into the membership of Protectors Toolkit? There's no risk to get into it. If you don't like it, let us know. We'll get you right out of that. We are still booking. We still have some some may, some minor openings for 2021 live in-person training. Whether you want the basics of church safety and security, you want de-escalation training. You want the two-day firearms course at your church, we're going to bring it to you. And I'm going to tell you what, um, if you do everything that I need you to do at your church to bring us there as a host church, then I'm going to give you up to $500 in grant money right back to your church. Yes, I said it here, folks. I'm going to give you up to $500 back in grant money with right to your church, writing you a check, and you can use it for your team. You need some new radios, want to buy a radio, uh, need some new equipment use that money right there just for hosting a course with Protectors Toolkit. Don't forget, we also do risk assessments. Kimberly, I saw you join us tonight. Uh, I was just out in California, certainly blessed to help them in their needs for a risk assessment and do a training for them out there. And they'll be getting their about their five, uh, 50 to 60 page report from me. I've got the crime data already put together in there. Uh, broken down by days of the week for them so they can see the crime within a one mile area of their church. And I'm going to go over their, their security posture as it is currently, expose some opportunities uh, and some low hanging fruit so they can go from good to great in their church safety and security where they want to be. Um, go like and find us and see us on all of our social media. If this blessed you tonight, share it with somebody. Sharing is caring. And don't forget, everybody, like I always say, warriors, protectors of others, keep them safe.